to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. You <laughs> Today is Sunday, September 9th, 2018. I'm your host, Maddie Love, in studio today with Ash Phoenix. Ash is co-founder of Satanic Twin Cities, where both her and I also both serve on the Strategic Council. Thanks for joining me today, Ash. Happy to be here. I invited Ash on today to chat with a very special guest, Lucian Greaves. Lucian is co-founder and spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. He is arguably the most outspoken contemporary Satanist, quite possibly in the world, and has gained international attention as a strong advocate for religious liberty and Satanic Reformation. He has, he has been delivering major lectures at universities, spoken at national atheist conferences, and has been a frequent guest on major media outlets such as CNN, Rolling Stone, and many, many others, including two fantastic debates with Tucker Carlson of Fox News, where Lucian did a marvelous job of making Tucker sound even more ridiculous than normal. Mr. Greaves, thank you so much for joining us on the 9th of September at 9 a.m. Because, of course, 999 in the Upside Down world is 666, making this the most obvious day to have you on. <laughs> Good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, although this is atheist talk... Um, we do have quite a few Christian listeners and even some socially conservative atheists, uh, both of whom may have some misconceptions about what and who the Satanic Temple is. Uh, as the official spokesperson and co-founder, can you take a few minutes to maybe share um, the religious views of the organization that you helped to to create? Well, I guess I guess the first thing that people should be that should be made clear to people is that we're a non-theistic religious organization, so we don't venerate a personal Satan. We view this uh, metaphorically as a, as a contextual mythical backdrop for our works and our goals, our ethics, and our, and, uh, and our sense of community values and, and things of that type. Um, that seems to be a real sticking point for a lot of people and, and makes them debate our religious authenticity. Uh, that's a much larger question, I guess, and could probably itself volumes, but my, my feeling is that uh, non-theistic religion is really the way of the future. Um, people are going to culturally identify with religions, and they're still going to identify with uh, the rites and practices of the religious organizations that uh, resonate best with them, even if it's the ones that they grew up in. But I think more and more as time goes on, uh, people are going to be less willing, hopefully, to identify with the superstitions that are intellectually insulting and uh, really can't hold up to scrutiny and, and people just can't maintain any longer. You know, I was uh, chatting with somebody who actually stopped me on the street about a month ago, which was weird because I was wearing a TST shirt and he had to stop me. And I've, I'm a non-passing trans woman, so I do raise a lot of eyebrows <laughs> depending on where I go. And this was the first time I'd ever actually been stopped. And we're having this debate, and he was, like, asking me about it, and I was explaining, you know, this is, you know, the way I understand what TST is, which sounds a bit like what you just described. Um, and I was like, you know, really, if you think about it, all religions are atheistic religions, because I don't believe a God exists anyway. <laughs> oh, right. And I, uh, I, I really lost the, the ability to conceal what I do or what I believe at this point. I, uh, you know, a lot of, we get a lot of t-shirts with our merchandise and I usually have 
one of the t-shirts <laughs> from, <laughs> from each print run we do. So I have a lot of TS t-shirts, and I'm always walking around wearing this stuff. And if I'm sitting on a plane or whatever and people ask what I do, I just don't have it in me anymore to tell them anything other than the truth. And I've even lost track of uh, of how people respond to this. <laughs> I'm just I'm picturing like you just like having to educate like shocked people over and over who really shouldn't be shocked because like if you sat down in like I don't know the religious or Eastern Orthodox garb next to them, they'd be like, "Oh, okay, well you know you're you're a Catholic, no big deal. I'm not worried about it." But to, like you sit down with like this other religion, you know, TST, and it's like. Oh, you guys are terrible. And it's like, have you seen the Catholic Church lately? Like, we're the ones that are terrible? <laughs> well, I've lost sense of the shock. You know, it's just it's just the, the world I'm in every day. So, <laughs> I think I've, I'm getting further and further removed, I guess, from humanity as time goes on and all this. <laughs> and I, I just s- don't even know what's shocking anymore. <laughs> is there a... Is there a story to the founding and the creation of the Satanic Temple that you're able to share? Oh, well, yeah, sure. I can. Well, I, I, I just assume there's probably some itself. stories you're like, you know, I, uh, I'm not sharing that story. I'll share this one, but I'm not sharing that one. <laughs> well, no, there's there's only one real story to it. Uh, this being a public person was never something I would have willingly done. I, I kind of fell into it, but uh, I was in Cambridge and I met with somebody who ended up being the, the other co-founder. And he wanted to do a, a film project, um, and, and it had to do with uh, religious liberty and things like that. He wanted to do some kind of documentary or whatever. But the more we talked, and, and at that time, I already identified as a Satanist and had my entire adult life. The idea was, uh, you know, Satanists pushing for religious liberty on the same grounds that uh, uh, that you know, evangelical religious groups push for religious liberty and to see just exactly uh, where the hypocrisy ended and and where religious liberty would actually be, uh, would actually be endorsed uh, on an equal playing field by all parties. And so I I really wanted to, uh, to consult on this. I wanted Satanism to be represented correctly. And I thought this was a great kind of bit of activist filmmaking. So, it was under those auspices that the Satanic Temple was formed. Um, but the idea was that we would do this kind of film project and show people what they could do and show people kind of underscore this hypocrisy of the religious liberty groups and also helpfully motivate self-identified Satanists to, to kind of fight this battle. And we, at the time, we thought that the film project would be central to kind of getting that message out. And then the Satanic Temple could kind of be like anonymous, where you would have this kind of decentralized organization and people locally could kind of act under the name of the Satanic Temple and different forms of the Satanic Temple would manifest, you know, some probably with uh, with separate types of belief systems even, you know, different sets of values, but there'd probably be that we assume there'd be that core value of, of just kind of fighting for their right to uh, to be recognized on the terms they wanted to be recognized as. But um, as soon as we started working on this, really, people started, uh, as soon as we did our first kind of public action, the, 
Rick Scott rally where in Florida they were endorsing uh, a bill to to allow prayer in school, and we were trying to underscore the unintended consequences of uh, of endorsing this bill on the grounds that this benefited satanic children. Uh, people started reaching out to us and really wanted to identify with the satanic temple, and um, and and it did, didn't take long. It was about the the pink mass uh, where we kind of counter-protested the Westboro Baptist Church, and, and my face was on it and things like that. And, and people kind of wanted to identify with us, affiliate with us, and uh, didn't seem interested in in kind of starting their own Satanic Temple offshoots or whatever else. So we kind of did centralize, in the, and being that I became central to it and, and away from this role of kind of being a consultant, I no longer wanted anything to do with any film project either. Uh, this kind of needed to be done more on my terms for me to have anything to do with it at all, and I was already in kind of too deep. So the film project was scrapped entirely, but it was still uh, going to be more of a side project for me, and I still kind of hoped that, uh, as Lucian Greaves, I could stay uh, have a certain amount of anonymity and live a, a relatively... Uh, normal life, but that that just didn't work out at all. I would say, how's that working for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we only have about a minute left um, in this this first segment, but like as you as you talk about that, I, I guess what I almost hear is like a shining example of what a grassroots organization can like become and achieve. Because like from where you started to where you are now, um, and it sounds like where you're at now is nothing like what you had planned on becoming at, at when you had the, on the onset. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think, try to paint us as because this is this is kind of out in the open that this is the way it went down, and some people kind of like to forward the notion that it really undermines our authenticity that we didn't have the audacity from the very beginning to think that we would grow and expand this large that fast. But uh, to be clear, the the film project was always activist filmmaking. The, the intended purpose was really quite quite the same as anything we've we've always done. We just felt that that was our one option, really, of trying to get the message out before we had the following that we have now. Yeah, I would imagine most people don't say, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to start a religion. Like, <laughs> all right, we're going to go into a break. Please, people. <laughs> please stay with us for the break. We'll return with our guest, Lucian Greaves. You're listening to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, in studio with the co-founder of Satanic Twin Cities, Ash Phoenix, and joined via phone by spokesperson and co-founder of the Satanic Temple, Lucian Greaves. Before we get back to the show, I just wanted to let listeners know that in two weeks, Seth Andrews will be in studio with us, and immediately following will be joining us for brunch at Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina. And then later in the afternoon, Seth will be speaking at the monthly meeting of Minnesota Atheists. Head over to mnatheist.org for all the details and to register as space is limited. If you're interested in getting involved in the conversation we're having today, the phone number is 952-946-6205. If you'd rather, you can email us at radio at mnatheist.org, tweet us at Atheist Talk, or leave a comment on the Facebook post for this episode over at facebook.com slash Atheist Talk. Whew. 
that's like way too much stuff for me to read. Um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for sitting on hold of this, Lucian. My pleasure. <laughs> so, getting back, we were talking about you were talking about like how TST kind of started um, almost just like, with, with activism, and honestly, like one of the main reasons I became a member of TST. Uh, in large part, was the amount of activism that TST does in keeping religion and government separate, defending bodily autonomy, and protecting the rights of women. Were these things that you had in mind as far as your activism, like as as, as TST started to grow? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think people would be amazed how much of this we had in mind from, from the very start. Uh, we did a, a lecture at Harvard about modern Satanism, uh, before we even did the pink mass. And I, I think back on that now, and, and a lot of the planning we had done sounded kind of uh, far-flung, far-reaching. But um, we followed through on all of it. At that at that time, we, we stood up before an, an audience that was really just interested in the topic of Satanism. We talked about the forthcoming Baphomet campaign uh, for our, our monument that we've created to be placed alongside Ten Commandments monuments on public property where we're fighting uh, litigation in Arkansas right now. Um, we talked about the reproductive rights campaigns and a lot, a number of other things that we've, we've ultimately followed through on. Um, and it's been, you know, the, these things have necessarily taken many, many years. In fact, uh, we only now got a ruling from, uh, from Missouri on our first reproductive rights case that went to the state Supreme Court. Um, but that those, those types of things, like I said, have been planning like good, good solid five years ago. And even though this, uh, the Missouri Supreme Court upheld the lower court's dismissal of our suit, it had nothing to do with our legal arguments. It was only on technicality of standing. We have two more suits, um, moving forward. And the, the standing issue was, of course, that we hadn't filed the suit uh, when the plaintiff in that case, in that particular case, was pregnant. So they're saying it was a, a moot point. Uh, we have two other cases still in play where they were both filed when the plaintiffs were pregnant. So we'll see how that works out. And we're fighting against abortion restrictions in Missouri in those cases. And uh, in Arkansas... You know, they, they put up a Ten Commandments monument on the Capitol grounds. They said that this was uh, an open forum, essentially a free speech zone, the Capitol grounds. So any any uh, private donation of a monument would be equally considered, uh, supposedly. But we found that that wasn't the case. Uh, in a clear point, in a clear case of religious or, or viewpoint discrimination, they turned down our monument in favor of the Ten Commandments monument. Uh, we're we're all but certain, of course, that the Ten Commandments monument will come down and will be victorious in that case. Yeah, it's just because just for clarification, you would rather see the Ten Commandments monument come down and have no religious monuments there. But if they're gonna keep the Ten Commandments monument up, then they need to be free and 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 equality among all religious views. Is that is that a good summation? I'm not sure which I prefer. Honestly, if the, if the Ten Commandments monument is there and they allow uh, uh, a satanic monument to go on the same grounds, um, I don't really think there is a problem except for the fact that uh, 
Uh, then, then I guess they're just dealing with space restrictions. Then <laughs> first come you know, first serve. Religious monuments can you possibly have? You can't. You can't represent them all. <laughs> you know, but but that's the door they opened. I think it's it's a little less tenable to expect that that everybody can have placements. But once once they open the door on on an issue like religion, they really can't pick and choose. So I think it makes more sense for the state just to take the uh, Ten Commandments monument down. Than to say, okay, we're we're accepting your monument, sure, but uh, what we're really avoiding is the worst case scenario of one religious voice having exclusive privilege and the uh, and at least the appearance of having co-opted the power and the authority of of the state government. No, I I hear you completely there. We actually, um, I don't know how how there was the Veterans Memorial here in Belle Plaine, Minnesota that TSD uh, commissioned. I guess, I don't know if the memorial piece was ever actually built, but it, I saw at least artist oh, yeah. rendering. Yeah, yeah, it was a gorgeous monument. Yeah, well, it's it's in, it's in our Salem headquarters right now, but that, that was a particularly irksome case because with the Baphomet monument, we had that constructed, and then we made our legal cases first towards Oklahoma, where they took down their Ten Commandments monument, and now towards Arkansas. But in the case of Belle Plaine, Minnesota, where they already had a Christian memorial on, on these public grounds, um, but to be clear, that was never approved. My understanding is the city council, the, the local government over there, never never approved for this uh, this Christian veterans memorial to be erected. Somebody just dumped it there. And then, after it had been there a few months, they claimed it was some kind of, uh, it, it had some kind of standing. It was some kind of landmark then. Uh, it was dumped there. It had been there for more than 24 hours, so <laughs> therefore it couldn't be taken away or whatever. But the Freedom From Religion Foundation, uh, on behalf of a local, complained, and then it went to the city council. Should we take this down, or what should we do? Uh, some evangelical litigation group thought they were clever and said, well, you can open this up as a free speech zone and, you know, other people can put veterans memorials as well. And it will allow the, the Christian memorial to stay. So that's what they did. So then we applied to put up our memorial, which had very specific parameters. And that's important because it's not likely we can use this monument for anything else because it had certain size restrictions. It had, uh, it, you know, it had to have something to do with Belle Plaine itself, so it has a plaque on it uh, dedicating it specifically to Belle Plaine veterans. And so we got permission from Belle Plaine to erect our monument before we had it built. So we had it built. We raised the funds to do this. We, we, we went through the efforts to get this all done. And then only at the point where we were telling Belle Plaine that we we're ready to dedicate this monument, we're ready to put it on the public grounds, did they then go back into the city council and say, "Okay, we're killing the uh, we're killing the free speech zone." And you know, some people have argued with us that we should leave it alone there. Um, I really felt it was important to litigate this, which we're 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 in the process of doing now. Finally, after a good year since they or maybe more since they, they shut us out. But I, I don't think we can let it stand where we have governments, uh, you know, these, these localities uh, deciding that 
and deciding that they've opened a free speech zone when they have no intention of keeping it free. I'm gonna have to and, catch up. We're about to go into a break here. Only it down at the point where where we call them on their. Thank you for tuning to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm Maddie Love in studio this week with Ash Phoenix and joined by phone. <laughs> <laughs> the Satanic Devil co-founder and spokesperson Lucian Greaves. Before we continue with our conversation, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsors. All of us at Atheist Talk are asking for your help in keeping secular voices on the public airways and in podcast form. Atheist Talk is produced with funding from the Minnesota Atheist and Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina. Please consider visiting your sponsors, and if you do, let them know that you appreciate their support of Atheist Talk. If you'd like to advertise on this program and keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. This radio program is put together by dedicated volunteers and generous donations of people like you. If you're able to help with a donation, you can do so over to Radio Fund page or by becoming a patron. You can sign up for as little as $1 an episode over at patreon.com slash atheisttalk and listen to all of our extended interviews, discussions, and skullduggery where the FCC isn't able to apply its antiquated religious restrictions on what words we use. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. When we say we couldn't do this show without you, we really do mean it, and we are truly grateful for all of your contributions. Music for Atheist Talk is by composer and member Brent Michael David. With that, Mischief Managed, back to the conversation with Lucian Greaves. And Lucian, I'm so sorry that I had to cut you off at that break. Oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> the belt plane thing, it's like such a, you know, here in Minnesota, or yeah, especially in the Twin Cities, that was like... That that was like the, the the battle. Like I first became aware of like the of the Satanic Temple doing things here in state, and I was like, "Yes, this is fantastic!" Like <laughs> it's more than just. I mean, the FFRF is fantastic, and but it's like I feel like when the Satanic Temple shows up, people are like, "Oh, fine. I guess we have to like acknowledge our religious hypocrisy now." I mean, the Bell Play Monument is one of the things that made me more active within TST. And hey, Lucian, it's Ash. You've been quite just kind of absorbing everything you've been saying. But I mean, I've been a member since Pink Mass, and I saw you guys working Bell Play, and I'm just like, I, I, now I really need to get active and back in the group here. So, yeah, I re- we really have to appreciate. I mean, I, I, I haven't lost sense of the fact that I'm on, I'm on the East Coast. I'm in one of the most most liberal areas in the in the world and if any if people recognize me out on the streets uh it's only a positive thing i I really have to give credit to our our representatives in the south and the midwest and other places where the the fight is daily and and very real you know and uh i met with uh with somebody from bell plain who came out to salem to see our headquarters not very long ago and she had um, tears in her eyes for what had ta- what had taken place in, in Belle Plaine. She was a, a Belle Plaine resident and, and local, um, but uh, to her it was, you know, it meant so very much. And, uh, you know, you contrast that against sometimes the way the, the press handles us as a as a massive prank, a massive PR ploy, or whatever they, whatever they think it is that's going on here, you know, whatever they think it is that, that we've dedicated our, our, our lives to and our livelihoods, um, that, that it could be that as whimsical as all that. Um, it's, it's nice to know that some people really get it and are in the fight with us. Speaking of media coverage, do you feel like on whole, like the media coverage of TST has been fair? Usually, usually it is. I, I, I have to say, I mean, usually the, the fact, surrounding what we do are, are presented are presented rather clearly 
Um, the the rally we had recently, I thought was was a bit different. There there was a lot of irresponsible reporting there, and, but I what and also I think uh, consistently the kind of bad reporting we deal with is when people kind of try to speak to our motives. Uh, the overuse of the word trolling, you know, the the idea that uh, this is just sheer pranksterism and and things like that. That there's not not a deeper message to it. I, and to be clear, I don't ob- object to pranksterism, but the idea that, that, uh, that pranksterism isn't, isn't a tactic towards a, towards a greater end, but it is, uh, is its own activity in and of itself for its own, for its own purpose is, is kind of, is rather misguided, I think. Well, and the fact that you would dedicate your entire life to a prank is kind of like, really? W- would he really do that? <laughs> Well, I, I think people don't realize the amount of work we do. So I have to realize each time a, an article comes up about us or each time we do an activity, a new group of people are hearing about it. So to them, it might feel like it's kind of a one-off or or whatever else. It might seem a bit more plausible to them that we're just kind of, that we are just kind of pulling a prank. But uh, there's been a a documentary in the works about us for the past couple of years, which of course I haven't seen. We're not, you know, the separate directors working on it, but she's, she's very good. I've seen her other, her other films. I know they've gotten a lot of great material and they've seen us hard at work in the past couple of years. They've been there through the, uh, through the, the kind of thick and the thin. And they were there at the, uh, the rally recently we had in Arkansas where we were kind of, it, it felt to me surrounded by gunmen, you know, in, in the deep south, putting forward a, a very unpopular argument. And and I have a I have high hopes that when that comes out, people will have a, a clearer perspective of who we are. So, have you noticed? Um, I, I'm really happy when you said that the person doing the documentary you think is somebody upstanding because, like, lately when I hear that, hey, I just watched this documentary and something, it's like, oh. It's gonna probably. It's not really a documentary. It's op-ed piece. <laughs> so I'm happy to hear that this is a good person. Um, but have you noticed a change in media coverage covering the Satanic Temple? Like as you've become more visible? Uh, no, not really. I, the real problem is is that uh, the media is just not given to complex issues right now. So we have a campaign called Gray Faction. We're, you know, it's a long-standing kind of uh, initiative of ours where we're fighting back against uh, improper mental health care treatment, uh, therapeutic tactics that helped contribute to the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s, recovered memory therapies, uh, therapy related to multiple personality disorder, now known as dissociative identity disorder, and the kind of pseudosciences that have attached to that. And that's really been a a focus of, of a lot of our efforts. But it's almost impossible to get media coverage about because it's a more complicated topic than can be summarized within a headline. It's just not as clickbaity. And where it's clickbaity, it demands a lot of fact checking. And right now, uh the the media is such where journalists just aren't doing those kinds of long form pieces that demand a lot of fact checking and demand that a journalist really uh, know the difference between the legitimacy of claims we're making as opposed to claims uh, professionals we're going up against are making. 
So some of the more complicated things we work on just don't get coverage at all. Whereas, you know, if we're doing something kind of bombastic and really visible, uh, something that can be summarized in a headline, uh, we just find that the journalists seem to be working on two-hour deadlines now, and, and that's just where we're at overall. This, is, this isn't just a, a matter of how the Satanic Temple is represented. This is a matter of how media now works in the clickbait environment. Yeah, when I first saw the gray faction stuff about the gray faction, because I was oblivious of that until I started like actually looking to join, um, I was like, yes, like I, I'm in the healthcare field. One of my big soapbox issues is uh, standing up for science-based medicine. And I guess what frustrates me so much about having like the need for the gray faction is that like when you say you're you're like going up against professionals, but you're taking the, the, the scientific medical consensus. That's the side you're on. <laughs> and it's like you, if you're fighting against these, for lack of a better term, quack medical professionals, at least that's from, from the outside, that's what I see. Yeah, no, and I think that's correct. Uh, we are really taking the view that is empirically supported and that I think the majority of people in the field take. The problem is, they're just not enforcing against this kind of fringe group, and they've kind of fallen through the cracks. And it's, I, I think there's kind of a prevalent feeling that if you go up against them, you're likely to be slandered as uh, as endorsing child abuse. And somebody listening from the outside will wonder how that how that happens. But um, when it comes to uh, contesting the notion of repressed memories and or at least the uh, effectiveness of, of drawing forth those memories through hypnosis, which, of course, uh, experimental studies have shown, science has kind of confirmed, that, uh, that the, the, these methods of trying to recover memories uh, lead to confabulations and false memories more often than not, if they ever recover any legitimate memories at all. And, and really, the practice should be banned. Um, but when you when you go up against this, you have people claiming that all they're saying is that sexual abuse is traumatic because it's usually uh, traumatic memories of sexual abuse that they're saying are repressed. And if you're saying anything otherwise, well, then you're just trying to cover up for the fact that abuse happens. And this goes even further than, you know, they, where they have conspiracy theories attached to these repressed memories. Illuminati mind control, you know, satanic ritual abuse, things like that. And so you can go from people claiming that there's a, a new world order. You can give the lie to that claim, and then uh, and then people will claim that you're endorsing child abuse from there. And, and it's actually been effective in shutting down criticism, at least within the professional field. Yeah, and that is so... I. I... As a, as a healthcare professional, and like I said, that's my soapbox is like standing up to quack medical stuff. I mean, that is so frustrating because like it's demonstrated we have proof of real harm that these repressed memories and stuff, these false repressed memories have done like where people have gone to jail for 20 years and then they get exonerated or they've lost their livelihoods. I mean, all this stuff that happened in the late 80s and early 90s of people's lives being destroyed by this just junk science that has been thoroughly discredited and to see that it can't it's not just gone is really disheartening 
Well, it's not only the people who end up being uh, accused of having abused people where they've probably never abused anybody before, um, because based on the, the recovered memory claim that somebody uh, suddenly remembered that they had been abused by that person. But imagine somebody who has been abused and, and is traumatized, and they go into one of these quack therapist's office, and the quack therapist is telling them, oh, no, no there must be much more in your mind, and then they start feeding them crippling delusions rather than uh, a, a perspective that will help them pull through this kind of trauma. Uh, to me, that's, that's a, real, it's a real crime against humanity, and it's, uh, it's intolerable that it's still accepted in the mental health profession today. Yeah, it just that doesn't that doesn't help you grow. It's like um, when somebody who's grieving is told by a psychic that you can talk to their loved one. Like you never get that chance to like go through the proper therapy or the proper grieving process or the things that you need to do to make yourself more healthy. And we are just about to go into a break, but when we come back, if you can, I was hoping you could tell us a bit about this uh, new uh, TST channel, a satanic space that I saw a, a, a trailer for. Um, but we are going to head into a break. This is Maddie Love in studio with Ash Phoenix. You're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm Maddie Love in studio this week with my good friend Ash Phoenix from Satanic's Twin Cities. And we're chatting with spokesperson and co-founder of the Satanic Temple, Lucian Greaves. Uh, so Lucian, before we went into um, the break... I had mentioned something about it's called it's called the Satanic Space. I saw a trailer on YouTube, but that is the extent of my knowledge. Are you able to shed any additional light or what are appetites? The Satanic Space is something we're doing in collaboration with an online streaming platform called Vidi Space. And Satanic Space is going to be our own channel on Vidi Space with its own URL. So it's kind of its own separate thing where we'll be able to live stream events from across the nation that are attached to uh, chapter activity or other satanic temple activity. We'll be able to put our own professionally produced documentaries and regular shows uh, and podcasts on that platform. And we have uh, the, the resources available through VidiSpace, the professional editing equipment, uh, camera gear, uh, trained professionals will help us kind of put all this together to put on the the platform. And we also want the platform to be able to accommodate, and and it will, it it can accommodate uh, real-time chat along with the live streaming and other kind of chat and communication functions, maybe um, uh, individual chapter blogs, uh, blogs of our own, other types of information we want to post. And we're really hoping to move people's activity uh, satanic temple activity, at least, more and more away from the toxic environment of Facebook and other standard uh, mega social media platform uh, activity to something that, uh, that that builds more of a sense of community, we think. Um, we, we think this is really the way to go about it, and we have high hopes for it. It rolls out on Halloween where we'll be live streaming our activities that night from our Salem headquarters. And we have a lot of other kind of stuff we've produced in advance that we can dump on the platform at the same time 
Um, because of the cost that goes into this, there's there's going to be uh, it's either going to be subscription based or people can see these things uh, via payment one one item at a time. You know, you can kind of have that a la carte menu, and if you just want to watch one thing, you can you can just watch that. Um, but we really hope that this this model will will help kind of sustain our activities and build a sense of community at the same time and and we'll see how it goes it's kind of a big experiment but i kind of think and hope that uh that this is kind of uh, an evolution away from what we know as social media now and in a new way for uh subcultures to kind of uh collect online even even when they're at a great geographical distance from one another so it's like satanic amazon prime but without my racist uncle i I don't know if that's a good (laughs) good description but i like the idea that i can either subscribe to the whole thing and watch whatever i want or just like hey you know what i'm i'm short on funds but you know i really want to see that video i really want to see that talk that's a really cool idea yeah, and uh, it, it gives an opportunity for us, uh, working with the VidiSpace crew, to elaborate uh, campaigns of ours or projects. And, of course, one of the first things we did was put together material about Gray Faction to put together our own kind of hour-long Gray Faction documentary just to explain what we're doing, what this means for, for mental health care, and, and who we're really up against, as well as showing some of our activities and protesting at the conferences, at the conferences where people who endorse these pseudoscientific ideas are are uh, are congregated, so in that way, I kind of feel like we we can bypass uh, the media in a way and get the message out ourselves. And I'm really happy that we have the opportunity to do that. Not many people can really enlist the support of of professional film crews on demand like that, um, but. The, the monetization structure is such that, you know, Viddy Space gets a, gets a piece of it, uh, to, to make up the cost as well. And, and hopefully it can sustain itself. We'll, we'll see. Does it help, like, when I guess I don't know how much TST is involved in, in creating the, this, um, the, the stuff that's going to go on the channel, the content, but does it help, like, when you're able to, I mean, obviously pay people, but have the people that you're paying, be invested at all like going hey i like what you guys are doing here you guys are doing really good work i mean does that make it easier to recruits the wrong word but like you know to get people together to put to put this create this content oh for for us it's the only way um we're we're in a position where because of who we are uh pretty much the only people who will work with us are the people who really believe in what we're doing nobody's neutral on working with the satanic temple you know, so we were approached by people at Viddy Space, the, the the owner of Viddy Space, and she put the company together. And she she lost some of her employees, from what I understand, uh, just from from coming into partnership with the Satanic Temple. Um, we have uh, situations where lawyers won't represent us because of who we are, which is just incredible to me. Insurance companies won't uh, insure us because we're the Satanic Temple. Um, that's where we're at right now with uh, our after-school Satan clubs, which we put in place to kind of combat evangelical after-school clubs and schools offer an alternative, we, we just can't get insurance coverage for it right now. So on a project like this, on having the online streaming platform, 
um, you can be pretty sure that the people we're working with must must be supportive of us. <laughs> so, have you considered reaching out to? I hear Jeff Sessions is putting together a religious liberty task force. I'm sure he'd be interested in supporting the religious liberty of, of DSD members. <laughs> well, believe me, we're we're keeping close track of the language being used and, and the intentions that are being put forward. Uh, the the claims. Uh, regarding those intentions, and, and we plan on on exploiting those arguments for sure. Um, right now, currently, our application, our 1023 application, is in process with the IRS, and uh, asking for religious tax exemption wasn't something we were going to do um, on principle because we we disagree with the notion that. Uh, that these religious groups or, or religious entities shouldn't have to pay their their taxes. But at the point where uh, you have an administration that's trying to gut the Johnson Amendment, we're feeling that, you know, we're, we're already at a massive disadvantage when we're up against organizations like Liberty Council, the Alliance Defending Freedom, and other such evangelical groups that are really trying to initiate a coup of the United States in the name of theocracy. Uh at that point where we're going to adjust our, our tactics and try to take it, try to engage in, in uh, on their terms and then take every advantage we can get. Yeah. But we'll see, you know, we'll see if we're approved. And unfortunately we are actually just about out of time. I can't even tell you how sad I am about that, but I, I really do appreciate you, you joining us today. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. It was great being on. All right. Well, thank you for tuning to Atheist Talk. I'm proud to be here on the air with the Minnesota Atheists, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. The show depends on the generous support of our members, sponsors, and donors. Please consider sponsoring the show through the donation link at Minnesota or Atheist.org or our Patreon page. This has been Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. All opinions and ideas expressed in today's show were the opinions of the guests and the hosts and do not necessarily represent the opinions and ideas of Minnesota Atheists.